Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you? Summer school's over. We're done. Yes! Today was the last day. <laughs> I, have, I have to finish up the grading. Uh, I had a great set of 10 students. I'm really actually going to miss them, but it's done. Awesome. I'm glad you're uh, you're getting some reprieve, man. I know it's been a hectic last yeah. few months of school. <laughs> yeah, it's done. So yeah, so like I'm I'm good. How about you? I was laughing to myself as we were doing that intro because I was sitting here looking at my screen and my head was down and it felt like I don't know why I'm doing this because I have the intro memorized, but it looked like I was reading something off my tablet <laughs> as we were going. And I think about that every time we have a guest on like i have that part by memory i don't need notes on that section (laughs) (laughs) well from the last from the last pod in my head i'm like okay so how am i gonna say my name how am i saying my name this time how am i saying my name this time so i tried to go with like a (laughs) 60 minutes 2020 i don't know if i pulled that off (laughs) i like because uh jb texted us after listening to last week's episode and he said (laughs) he needs a supercut of all the i'm jude i'm jude I'm Jude. (laughs) (laughs) That would be horrifying, actually. (laughs) Just my voice over and over again. No. (laughs) Look, we'll do we'll do like five Judes, five trays, and we'll just we'll see the difference. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Oh man! All right, Jude. uh, I'm going to ask you to cover your ears for just a second, if you don't mind. All right, so Multiverse of Madness has hit Disney+. Plus. So I just wanted to remind people that with our Spoiler Zone exemption, by the time we do next week's episode, we'll be able to talk about Multiverse of Madness in the Spoiler Zone uh, without being exempt like we did. So this episode will be safe for now, but now that that movie is on Disney+, Plus, this is, I guess, your one-week warning before we take it out of the exemption. So I wanted to hit that up here at the top of the show before diving into Yeah. There's a lot of movies on Disney Plus, and that's one of them that you can choose to watch. (laughs) I honestly thought I was going to get a little bit more pushback when I came up with that bit. (laughs) I'm I'm just saying that that is that is a choice you're allowed to. I mean, you're we're all paying for it. Well, moving along, if you downloaded this episode, then you know we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 3 of Miss Marvel, titled Destin. So the way we're going to do this is we're going to have some pre-spoiler thoughts, which is a way for us to discuss the episode without getting into spoilers. After that, you'll hear an audio cue, which will take us into the spoiler zone, where we can get into the full details. So before we get there, Jude, what are your pre-spoiler thoughts for this episode? You know what I found really fascinating about this episode is it ended and I wasn't dreading the number of episodes left. Wow. I'm just enjoying the ride. This is so much fun. Is there an essence of that that feels like it's perfectly paced? I think so. And and I think the best example of that is the training montage where she's learning how to use the hard light. From last week? Yeah, just because on the rooftops and stuff, because it was done so well. Uh, we've seen training montages before, but this one, was it was just done in such an efficient way 
and like it didn't feel like it took up the entire episode but it was just right and just in terms of length of you know to get to get the point and it was realistic in my head for you know in terms of like yeah like she doesn't train a lot and that's about as far as she's going to get with the training like she wasn't doing quote unquote complicated stuff and i'm going to stop there because that ties into some thoughts i have from this episode but you know and i'll pick up there because that leads into my pre-spoiler thoughts the reason i was trying to like tease out the the comment of the perfect pacing is again we talk about the story circle here a lot this episode when it finished it was that feeling of oh we're midway through the season. We are at the very bottom of the story circle at this point, which is the getting what you want, but it not being quite what you thought it was. Mm-hmm. And that's what this entire episode felt like. Like for oh, yeah. as much as we've been waving away at some of the sillier things that Kamala has been doing is like, oh, she's just a kid. She's found this joy and this power. You know, who wouldn't have that fantasy? This episode, true to that kid nature, showed the fear side of it. And I really appreciated like, oh, Kamala is a kid with this power. And now those powers have escalated a threat, which she is either going to have to not learn from or return having changed. And so right. it's I'm, I didn't articulate that in my own thoughts about like this ending and me not feeling like, oh, we need more episodes. But I was completely satisfied with where it was because we are moving at such a wonderfully plotted pace so far. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I feel like there's not a worry right now of like, Oh, how are they going to finish this and, and tell a good story and they need more time. Like I felt with Moon Knight, you know, or even felt that with Loki and same thing with Hawkeye. You know, I can make an argument of like, Oh, they just need Hawkeye one more episode to kind of flesh this, this stuff out. Um, but I don't get that feeling with this. I love this, this show, man. It's so good. I know. Well, I think that might be a good place to leave our pre-spoiler thoughts. So, like I said, you're going to hear an audio cue, and on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU, except for Multiverse of Madness. We'll see you on the other side. And we're back. So the way we're going to handle this is we're going to break this down into four most important topics, starting with the clandestines, friend goals, wedding ceremonies, and heroic consequences. Starting with the first one, this one is going to take us through the new revelations we get about the group that saves Kamala at the end of episode two, uh, their history and being from a different dimension, and the task that they entrust Kamala in helping them get back home to the Noor dimension. So Jude, starting with you, where would you like to start within this section? Uh, I'm going to start with the storytelling and just how well done it is because uh, I mean, we start with the flashback and we already had enough information from the previous episode with the Illuminati's and Kamala calling her grandmother her mom saying not to talk about her great grandmother and or her grandmother Kamala's great grandmother but like having all those conversations a really quick flashback gave us a lot because we already had those other pieces. And so that was something that I thought was really, really well done. And like, and, and to the show, just how 
I mean, this is a nicely wound clock or watch, right? Like it's just so efficient and so well crafted as of, of a story. Because because we've talked about this with our Daredevil thing, like like flashbacks can be really effective, but it can also be very gimmicky. This was just super effective. So I want to play on that real quick because you talked about how we already had the history with the Illuminantes in the previous episode. And what works here, as you said, because we had that history and we have that brief flashback here, it's like we're finally getting a clearer picture. And I think the best way to demonstrate that is, one, I'll go ahead and admit it, Thankfully, I was wrong with the Kamran being a cousin. The woman that was shown in the Flash last episode was Najma. Mm -hmm. And we come to find out who Kamala's great-grandmother, Aisha, really is. And the way they do it is we see the woman from last episode digging through the rubble. And they do almost like this heroic shot of this character we haven't seen before. But intuitively, because of the way it's framed, the way the music swells in, we know immediately, oh, that's Aisha. That is the great-grandmother, and it places this importance on her in a way that we can piece what we learned previously together with this new information. So mm -hmm. I thought that illustrates what you were talking about really well. Yeah. The the way they were able to leave that trail of breadcrumbs um, and have that the complexity of how this story has impacted different people you know, where Kamala's fascinated and I want to know and it has this sense of family history and then mom is trying to distance herself. And then you have the gossipy version of it with the Illuminati's. Like, like so e even be able to interweave the different ways in which family history stories get told and the, and the different levels of interest is just, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I want to highlight because it was Leech in the Discord, who originally pointed this out to me. I didn't catch this on first watch. And then Ben.Matty followed up with some more uh, contextual images to further prove this theory. Mm -hmm. That was the Ten Rings logo that those clandestines were standing on top of. Did you catch that? I did not. Yes. So, whenever that, so that was digging... the Shang-Chi reference I, I saw. Yeah. So whenever that, they're digging yeah. through the rubble, there's a shot where you get this top-down shot, and if you look where they're standing, it is the Ten Rings. So we're getting some sort of connection to Shang-Chi here, and one of the leading theories is that whatever is powering the rings also powers the bangle. And the images that I think Ben.Maddie shared in our Discord were showing how the way the bangle glows is exactly the way the rings glue Glue, glowed, glowed on Winwu's arms. So I thought that was very. And, and, and the last point that I wanted to point out is we learn in Shang-Chi that Ta Lo is another dimension, and these people come from a dimension called Noor. So there's something, there's something developing here. Well, it's interesting to me that you said that because Feige, super fan, recently said that. In the coming months, the next saga would be made clear or more or revealed. Uh -huh. um, which, if all of what you said is right, you should have a huge smile on your face because it sounds like Shang-Chi is going to have a huge <laughs> part to do with it. You mean my favorite entry in the MCU in Phase 4 so far? Uh, yeah, that one. <laughs> 
<laughs> so as the uh, the major fanboy of Shang-Chi, I figured that uh, that was my duty to bring up here on the podcast. So one, thank you to Leech and Ben.Matty for for helping put those pieces together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And But it, man, that's, that's, I did not catch that. And, and it makes me wonder if the, the second bangle, am I saying the right bangle? Yeah. Yes. The second, because every time I, I hear that, I think of like, there's the group, the bangles. The bangles. <laughs> and then there's, you know, the, the bangles. <laughs> then there's the Cincinnati bangles. Um, <laughs> there's like bungalow. Um, so I'm wondering if that's the crumb. That's that's the the thing that's gonna the the next MacGuffin, I think, for season two, or does that spill over into the Mar um the Marvels? The where is that second bangle? I have some theories. And well, before you say your theory, they did say that, right? Like I remember where like, oh, there's only one, and they're like, Don't worry about it. So yeah, I because right. So, it was, so that, but I guess, I guess that's where my my thought comes from. Is it was very clearly like they mentioned that there was two, but also very clear, quickly dismissed. And it's like, oh, but don't worry about it. Like, so it puts us in a frame of mind that it's not important. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I was thinking. Is like, well, that's probably something they'll revisit. Not in so, this season. Yeah. So Najma is the one that we see first and she's the one that mentioned like, oh, where's the other? We need to find it. And then we have the hero shot of Aisha coming in and she explains to Najma explains to Aisha what's going on. And Aisha says, well, then one will have to do. Keep Mm -hmm. in mind, this is being told from the perspective perspective of Najma, who we find out is not exactly an honest source. So she might. I'm wondering. She either might have it or Aisha caught on to what they were doing and ran away with both of them. And so that's how potentially Kamala has one and the grandmother Nani has one because she sees the same vision that Kamala sees at the end Mm, of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So Well, and, and that's the other thing. Kamala's mom knows what it is. Yes. So I'll, I'll tackle that side once we get into a little bit of the later most important topics. But that's that's kind of where I'm putting my theories on the Bengals so far. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I They should have won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. No, uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm with you. That's That sounds, you know, I mean, I mean, there is a thing of like, it has to go one or two ways, right? It has to be that planting of seed that we're going to grab onto later or that thing that comes back, right? That, like you said, that, that it's going to show up somehow. Um, and in this case, in your, your thought, which I think is right. Cause I saw the, the most saw the train. Kamala's bangle. Yeah. Yeah. Kamala's grandmother. <laughs> So in this same section, we do eventually get to the point where we're in present day, wonderfully transitioned from the flashback into Najma explaining to Kamala the history, and we learn more about the group of clandestines in present day. I couldn't help but think of a conversation that I actually had with Yebba Deba. Uh, it was on Twitter or in our DM, so it wasn't anything on the podcast, but she 
and I were geeking out about the MCU while she was getting prepped for Moon Knight. And she talked about how Eternals was so interesting to her because it recontextualized the power structure in the MCU, Mm -hmm. which was a great way to propel us post Endgame. And I feel like on that same thought that Yabba Deba had, the clandestines feel very similar to me because they've been around for 100 years and they're also these very superheroes or super powered superheroes that have been in hiding not nearly as long as the Eternals, but kind mm-hmm. of in that similar vein. And it mm-hmm. really feels like we're starting to see more and more secret superheroes. And so I just, I, as much as they've already played the connection with the Eternals last week with Kingo, not that I'm saying there's anything that's going to connect with the Eternals, but I thought it was an interesting parallel between those two groups established here in phase four. Are you suggesting that we're going to have a secret cameo eternal show up in the next two episodes? I don't want to put that baggage on this show. <laughs> Ask me again when we get to the, the uh, heroic consequences. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm jumping around too much, but uh, I had a, I had a thought about that. Something similar. Okay. Okay. One of the last things I want to bring up in this section, you know, in my pre-spoiler thought, I said how for as much as episode one and two was the joyous side of Kamala being a kid, this was the fear setting in of what that responsibility is now that she's playing in a superhero field. This is where it really hammered home that fear because she starts to say things like, you know, only bad things are coming from this bangle. Maybe I'm not quite up to the task. People keep getting hurt because of this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like these are really illuminating questions for where she's at on this journey and why it feels like she's perfectly at the bottom of the story circle. Because uh, I am peeking again ahead. Eventually, we'll get to the point where she has a conversation with her mom where she says, have you ever gotten something and then realized it wasn't as good as you thought it'd be? And so mm-hmm. they have they have put Kamala in a very vulnerable position here as far as like where she's at emotionally. And I, I'm a sucker for that kind of storytelling. You know what? It's, uh, man, it's interesting. I'm wondering where they're going to, how far they can make this really depressing. Like her character and over a longer period of time. Like I, I don't want them to do it. That question and conversation comes from this place of like, I've watched and been a fan of these heroes. This is what I imagined it to be. I have the powers now and it's nothing like what I imagined it to be, um, which is very Kamala Khan's story in the comics, but it's when in the comic, I know we try to do BMCU first, but in the comic, when she actually meets Captain Marvel, and sees it. Oh, Captain Marvel, not necessarily in a bad way. It's just, they're not who I thought they were. Right. Cause their imagination in your head. So, so that they're playing that story or that kind of character development out with Kamala here. But if she doesn't meet Carol Danvers until the Marvels, like that's going to be another disappointment thing that she's going to have to go through. Like, I don't know how they just gloss over that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and thread this as carefully as possible because I don't want this to turn into like 
comparing two heroes or comparing the two series in a negative way. But I, I, I find it interesting the way that you describe that in there's almost two branches we're exploring here. You have the responsibility of being a hero and mm-hmm. what that means and how Kamala's facing that. And then the potential in the Marvels where they do eventually meet up with their hero, what that hero worship is. Mm-hmm. This feels like the same journey Kate Bishop went on, but taking at a slower split paced. And so this season feels like it's, go- it's dealing with that responsibility. And I'd be curious if the Marvels is going to deal with the pedestal. Mm. Yeah. No, you're because right. This, that that like, does very much mirror what they did with Kate Bishop. Mm-hmm. Just more spaced out with more showing and not necessarily telling. Mm-hmm. Just because Hawkeye was dealing with two, I don't want to say two storylines because clearly there are more storylines here, but you had the baggage of, of Clint and the new stories of Kate where the main focus of this show is Kamala. Yeah, no, I think you're right. We're getting ready to transition into the next most important topic. And it's really funny that I end this section by saying the main focus is uh, Kamala. When the next section is called friend goals, where we're going to focus on the storylines of both Bruno and Nakia Uh, with Bruno. We have him coming to terms with going to Caltech and finally revealing that to Kamala, as well as still being there to help her figure out the power of the bangle, the history of the djinn, and so on. On the other side, we're going to have Nakia as well, who we see the continuation of her story with the mosque board, as well as the prejudice that they are facing, the mosque is facing from the Department of Damage Control. Starting with me this time, I actually want to start with a quote that I got from an article entitled... Miss Marvel is Cultural Representation Wrapped in Bubblegum and Pathos by Imran Khan. And I cannot recommend this article highly enough. It is really wonderful because it, it's the author talking about what that representation in Miss Marvel means for him. But I kind of danced around it last week. I'm still learning how to talk about it appropriately and it, as we go through this series. But I wanted to share this quote from the article because it, it captures what I'm feeling in a way that I cannot express because obviously this isn't my life, but this is what they had to say. The true representation of Miss Marvel, the brown Muslim superhero, is that America immediately mistrust her. That is what truly resonates for all of us that have lived in this country since 9-11. And so the reason I'm starting with Nakia in that quote is Nakia had a line where after we find out that she has won the board spot, she visits Kamala And she's very upset, and she uses the quote, the good Muslim versus bad Muslim, let's self-surveil our people routine. If you pair that line with last week, where we saw Deaver very prejudicially trying to get the information out from Chloe about the color of the budget Captain Marvel skin, the very callous, like, oh, we're already surveilling the mosque line, you're starting to get that feeling of what that normal life is like for Muslims and the racism, I guess. And I think that this show, for all the work it's doing in terms of representation and showing the wonderful side and the joyous side, as we'll see with the wedding in a few important topics, 
the fact that they're also highlighting this as well is the educational part that I was dancing around last week. And so that hit me really hard uh, to have those scenes where Nakia is standing up for that and pointing that out because in the Moss board where we found out she won, Deaver comes in and she starts very accusatorily asking about the enhanced individual. I think that's the word they use. And the mm-hmm. way that Nakia stands up to her is she says, is it serious because your person of interest is enhanced or because she was spotted at the mosque? Mm-hmm. And actually, I had written another note that is finally illuminating to me why it was done this way. But the first note that I wrote is, I wish there would have been a little bit more fanfare to Nakia winning the board member place, but we had to find out through that confrontation. But it feels more authentic that she doesn't get to live that celebratory moment because she is dealing with that prejudice front and center. Hmm. That feels like she doesn't get to have that joy because of the unfortunate consequences of what the Department of Damage Control ends up coming in disrespectfully. Yeah. I didn't read it that way, but I like that. In terms of not getting to see the celebratory, I took that more as like very quickly showing her capability as a board member and the value she adds as a board member. And then with, um, oh, I forget his name, the Abdullah, Sheikh Abdullah. Yeah, yes. Uh, uh, backing her up right away and following her lead, like with the comment about next time, take your shoes off, uh, which I saw yes. on the internet, you know, some people that were, really disgusted by that and not that scene that, Oh my gosh, that they did that. But like, just like what you were saying, what that little detail showed in terms of a lack of respect for that space and the religious beliefs and practices in particular, that is probably something Probably, maybe they've experienced themselves, um, and so you know. So even even so, that's how I took that scene. And in terms of rather than like, oh, we didn't get, she didn't get the celebratory. Um, so yeah, yeah, and that was coming to me right in the moment because it it is a clear demonstration. I think you're right too. It is a demonstration of Nakia's competence. Because she was like, I can't remember exactly what she says, but like, yeah, you're going to need a warrant if you want to do this. And Skeever's, Skeever, <laughs> Deaver was like, oh, did you learn that? And uh, I forgot what homeroom or something homeroom. like that. And she's like, no, law and order, but I'm still right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, and, and again, I cannot recommend that article enough. Imran Khan, uh, fanbite.com. I'll make sure to link it in the show notes. He talked about how it would be inauthentic to only show the wonderful side of representation because this is a bruise that a lot of Muslims have had to face in a post 9-11 world. Mm-hmm. I love the Nokia storyline so much. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's it's so you, good. Can, you can feel the heart of the writer in this. Yeah. Well, even Bruno. Um, sorry. Brian. Um, his, <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you now that will never not be funny to me this entire <laughs> you'll be able to get me every time with that this season 
But no, like even even his story, I I think is just so well done. I I like having that that view of here's this kid who, because I admit, like I am fully admit, fully embrace it. Like I'm like, please don't put the romance stories, romantic stories in here. Um, I'm that's not what I'm here to watch, and it just and it's like. You know, and I don't know. And then um, it gets an extra level when it's like teenagers. <laughs> it, it's it's like, I'll go watch the CW. Uh, it, <laughs> That's what the arrow's for. And the arrow's so good. Okay. But <laughs> I don't know why. It just did not bother me. And it's not that it bothers me, but it's just like, I don't know. Is it a case that we just haven't seen it done well enough in the MCU to trust it? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Now, all that to say is... Like, it has to be that here because they're in high school together and it makes sense that there's an interest on his part. And so he's trying desperately to be a part of that world the best he can. Learning the dance, making his own version of Alexa that speaks to Urdu, and then all the research. He's doing that research because he's into her. You know, and if he loses that crush, it's like he's not going to be as active and and doing the research. He's a guy. If we can, I mean, but you get my point, right? Like, I I like seeing his character in a story, but it it it's like it gives us also this outsider's perspective of like this is what this world is, and I'm trying my best to fit in, uh, and I'm trying my best to understand and be a part of it. Um, and, and in the ways that in a very relational way, when you see how they interact, um, individually, Bruno and Kamala, Bruno and Kamala's dad, Nakia, but, and, and there's this intimacy and closeness, but then there's, there's still like this separation, um, because of the difference in cultures. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's a testament to who Bruno is, because if we contrast it with the Nokia storyline where we just detailed Deaver and their complete lack of respect and the way they just walked into the mosque without taking their shoes and the other snide remarks that they have made so far in this series, it is a true sign of respect when you go, when you try to learn about somebody else. Oh, yeah. Anything like you're placing like, OK, I know I don't know this, but here's how I'm going to try and learn because you were important to me. And I think the thing that makes it stick out because the, the whole romance side is not hitting me as hard as it has in other Disney Plus shows. And I think it's because it's not just Kamala. Clearly, he, he has an interest in Kamala. They're going to be exploring that. But he has a very close relationship with the dad with the mom he's very conversational with the aunt at the wedding he clearly loves this family so that is that sign of respect of him being a part of that so i don't know if i'd go out on that limb with you if he didn't have that crush if he would go that far i think it's just who bruno is Mm -hmm. that that's the level of i guess i don't want to say effort but that's the work Every relationship's work, right? That's the yeah. work that he's putting into being connected to this family. Well, I don't disagree with you that that's who Bruno is. Okay. What I'm saying is, I guess, is if the crush was on somebody else, he's doing that for them. Hmm. 
you know, and, and again, I'm not knocking it. It sounds like I'm knocking it, but I'm just saying like, it helps me really see his story and really like sympathize with him. And like, I'm, I, I'm doing or empathize or one of those thizes, um, <laughs> where like, I'm, you know, it's like, I get it. Like you just, you want to be a part of that person's life. want to be part of that person's world. So I don't think it's a bad thing at all. And I agree with you that it's just what Bruno is, but I, I, like, I think without that component, I don't know if that works as well. You know, like he can't just be Ned, (laughs) you know, I will say it puts him in an interesting duality because of course he does help Kamala when she, she's like, Hey, you're good at math, right? Do you think you can solve multidimensional travel? And so, of course, he's he's still trying to help because he is that good friend. But I love that he has that throwaway lines like, oh, that family and their average looking son. Like that yeah. was that yeah. had me just rolling. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, he was almost he's familiar with El- Eric Selvig's work. He is. <laughs> he is flashing I don't know what it all is. kinds of intellectual quick wit there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can solve multidimensional travel, no problem. I, I do actually want to stop and focus in on that because last week I mentioned how I felt like one of the things this series is doing is very subtly showing us just how much of a genius Bruno is. He's no regular 16, 17-year-old. Like he is incredibly smart. And to me, that's what makes the like, oh yeah interdimensional travel i I think i remember reading a paper about that i think he is of the skill that he can read that paper and maybe point them in the right direction which feels fitting because of the work they've done but i don't i don't expect him to actually solve multidimensional travel so because they have been so subtle with that planting of his personality that way it feels very easy for me to accept that moving forward Mm mm-hmm and also, I'm just I'm just a sucker for any time they like connect the MCU world with the scientists because there have been other instances where they reference Doctor Banner and I'm like, oh yeah, or now they're doing Doctor Selvin. It's like, oh, I know <laughs> that guy. Yeah. And so something about that hits me harder than them referencing Iron Man or Captain America or Thor. <laughs> well, because because it's it's for me that's what makes the world so real. You know, because he doesn't know who Eric Selvig is. They've never met, whatever. And it's not like, oh, I saw him on TV. It's just, no, I just, I read a, I read this paper by this guy. You know, and this is who it was. And like those types of instances or the Kingo references, love it. Um, mm-hmm. it that's what, what really, I think, was when, when the, the, that interconnected tissue is just of the MCU is really clicking, you know, and, and well, that's what the Netflix shows did so well. When you watch mm-hmm. all of them, it's like you had overlapping characters, but they weren't main characters. So for example, it wasn't, it was like happy Hogan type characters it was foggy coming over to another series but it wasn't matt murdoch you know it was foggy or it was karen page or you know the happy hogan the colsons the wong like and and because those are the ones that are going over it feels more grounded and more real than just 
the big names, so to speak, always being the one that comes over. You know, so like, like we can, we should have a scene somewhere. Um, I don't think it'd fit in Thor and Love and Thunder, right? Um, but like She Hulk, right? There needs to be a scene in She Hulk where, um, oh, what's the guy's name? I can picture his face, but why am I forgetting it? What's he from? I'm embarrassed. Oh, Jack. Jack Duquesne. Oh. <laughs> he shows up. Like, his name or just a quick, like, you see, like, you know what I mean? Like, like something there because in, like, a high society kind of. But, but like, it's those characters when they pop up and mentioned just subtly, I think, is what really makes makes this that connective tissue and and that's what Ms. Marvel here is doing really well. Did they ever resolve Jack Duquesne being framed or did he just get freed? Cuz if they didn't resolve it, that could be one of the cases that oh, yeah. for Walter, is it Walters? Jennifer Yeah. It's Walters. Jennifer Walters I think it's Jessica. is representing Jessica Walters? No, it's Jennifer Okay. Je- Jessica Walters is an actress from. I would say, what? Jessica Walters is an actress from oh. the well, from who- the. <sighs> it, it was it was good at first, but it, it wasn't good long. Um, Arrested Development. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Go see a Star War. <laughs> but uh, it is is that's one of my favorite quotes. If I ever am speaking about Arrested Development. It is where I can't. Is it uh, Lucille? Where Lucille is speaking with her adopted kid, and she doesn't really want to talk to him. She's like, "Here, here's five bucks. Go see a Star War," and it makes me laugh every time. I don't. I don't remember it. I don't. It. It's such a good joke. <laughs> There's something about the lack of pluralization that really sells it. Yeah. <laughs> That's just one of those shows that it's just, it's not for me. Yeah. So anyway, that's my pitch. Jack Duquesne potentially showing up as one of her clients. I'm in. She clients. I'm in. I think it works. You know, coming back to Bruno's section of this outline, I want to highlight the moment where Yusuf comes into Bruno's store and buys the snack. Mm-hmm. Not only because. Yusuf, I think, became one of my favorite characters of this series for that moment, for the midnight, or I don't know if it was midnight, but it was certainly a late night snack that he was trying to hide, which is incredibly funny. But the, I'm actually going to circle back to what you highlighted in episode one, where you talked about how brilliant it was that they distilled the core character problem that Kamala is going through in this series and how she is searching for her identity. It's taking physical representation through the Captain Marvel cosplay and she's searching for something to add to it. And when her family bursts in with the costume that they made, it's on the right path, but it's not her choice quite yet. So at a certain point in this story, we're really going to see the melding of Kamala, her interest and her family history be the completion of her identity and the fact that Yusuf is the one to help unknowingly decipher the Jin storyline for Bruno mm-hmm. 
I think is showing that slow path towards that unification of family and identity. And I know, and, and I know this sounds bad because Kamala's not actually in this scene, but because Bruno's part of that team, Kamala trying to figure out these powers, it feels like it's a further step in them and their quest to figure out the bangle and what it means for Kamala. Mm-hmm. So, just throw this out there: her mom's going to have to do something, like Jin-like. We're, we're well, gonna, remember when I s- we're going to see that happen. You know what? I'll just go ahead and tease this for whenever we get into the heroic consequences. Kamala is clearly formidable. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of clandestines fighting against her. Mm-hmm. She's going to need some superhero help. So I don't think it's going to be the Eternals or any of the other ones. I really feel like we're going to see Muniva at some point show off some Miss Marvel-esque powers as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not necessarily, so. maybe not necessarily the stretchy powers, but something with that nor that is within them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll tease oh, that. I, I 100% and, think so. Mm-hmm. Well, unless we got any more, I think we can go ahead and move into our next most important topic. Uh, yeah, because like I am holding back a little bit. All right, well, uh, let's move in. Okay, because you mentioned, I'm just going to say this, you mentioned about the stretchy powers and... Um, I think we've only seen that once. Like the fist got big, you know, and, and there, but like when she was saving Zoe. And the kid. Yeah. But, and the, yeah, you're right. And the kid. Now, the only reason why I was going to bring that up there is like what, it, and, I, and I said I was going to stop when I was talking about the montage things. Even in this section you know, where you have and you see how formidable she actually is. The way the choreography went, it was still, in my mind, very basic in terms of the things she did. It was all like blocking, but it was like instinctual. And then mm-hmm. using the pad, the the hard light to run, to get away. So it, she didn't do anything like overly creative or something we hadn't seen her practice before. You know, and, and so that's that's what I really loved about that is it was like everything she did and, and the stretchy part as well, I'm glad we hadn't seen that there because it wasn't it shouldn't be something that she would think to do. Like in other words, with the kid or in particular I was thinking of Zoe and wasn't thinking about the kid, but that reaching out, especially she said it's like it's like what, a thought come to life. Then then that was just like instinctual to do that. And so you wouldn't see some intentionality of like this crazy stretchy stuff. So it's, it's not mastery, but it's reactionary. Yeah. And eventually the story will be mastery. Yes. And, and when I say what you say, when eventually the story will be, I'm not thinking that eventually will be in these next two episodes. I think, I think it's, so you're thinking I think finale? it's a long, yeah, no, 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 no. I think it's a long play. The mastery oh, okay. type stuff in terms of the powers. Okay, so I like everything you just described with how they are slow ramping those powers and the intentionality and the reactionary. Uh, we'll pick that back up once we get to the final topic. But for now, I think to be able to explore those further, we need to examine the family. So our next most important topic is the wedding ceremonies. 
This section is where we're going to be able to talk about the Mindy, the conversations that Kamala has with her family there, the actual wedding, and the wedding reception right before the clandestines arrive. So, starting with you, Jude, where would you like to start within this section? I liked how we're seeing this wedding, and while it's religiously and culturally different um, than what you might see in a Christian sense or even in Judaism, but I, it, it just it's it's different. But there's definitely the same thing going on in the the consent in front of everyone that having them say it three times and having one of them have like a little bit of their personality into it. That was something that I really enjoyed is is seeing that like celebration of two people coming together that we're so used to seeing, but in a very Western Christianized iconography maybe for that like the, or imagery but while while the visually it's different the feelings are still there and it's so familiar and it's so human and that's that's one of the things i really liked about that sequence this is again to go back to what i was talking about with nakia and what that article points out about how true representation is not just this is probably the wrong word for it. Not just the fluff, but that's the only word coming to me right now, but mm-hmm. also the 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 reality of it. Though the the reason the reality hits so hard is because this joyous side is also present too. And that feeling of like, oh, it is not that different. It is this unification of family, not just the people getting married, but the two families coming together and sharing within this culture and learning from each other. It is this whole scene from Mindy to the actual reception, big smile on my face and almost welling up from time to time. Uh, It is a beautiful scene from start to finish. Um, And I think, man, there's so many wonderful things. One of the things that hits me the hardest is when Yusuf is speaking to Amir right before they actually go through the wedding vows, Mm -hmm. where... Yusuf has the line, you are brave, my son, because you have chosen family. And I forgot to write this down, this part down, but I think he says, anyone who chooses family is not alone. Mm-hmm. And it was that moment where it hit me how much, because we talked about in episode one, the nucleus of this family is so wonderfully written. But that scene right there, I think it just like, I mentally was like, I love this family. This is so pure, so wonderful and it's not that they're the perfect family but they are a real family and that i think sets the undertone for a lot of the problems that kamala is facing because we know with her identity journey and what she's trying to figure out even though yusuf is talking to amir and saying you know you were brave my son that resonates with her too specifically because uh, i think it was previously where she has the conversation with her mom and To start, (laughs) I think I'm going back to episode one again. You know, I highlighted a potential blue curtain, but the way they framed it where after she has the fight with her parents and they solemnly walk away and she's sitting alone on the bed and the doorway frames her as though she's alone in a reflection she cannot see. She Mm -hmm. has not learned that journey yet. But 
the conversation that she has with her mom, they do another doorway frame shot. And it's this time her, her and her mom together working this out. And since they are both on this journey together, I don't think the mirror is quite there yet, but I love that it gave us this moment of them working together because because we know Kamala's on the right path, but she hasn't quite taken that step to bridge the gap between who she is, who she wants to be, and who she needs to be, I guess, within respect of her family. But the fact that she was able to say all that she was able to say to her mom and be vulnerable with her shows that step. And consequently, the fact that Muniva is vulnerable with her talking about how their journey to America wasn't all they thought it would be. That also had me in tears because you see these two people who are still still trying to get to a a, a stasis, but they mm-hmm. are working through it together. And it's it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much good stuff in this this show. Right? <laughs> There's so much good stuff in this show. Because, like, just what you were just saying, the, like, the little things that stood out. So you have the, my mountain was America, and I didn't, it's not what I thought it would be, right? And mm-hmm. and there's this, I, I'm going to say this because I don't know any other way to put it, but there is this exceptionalism of like, like, well, yeah, we're so awesome. People want to come here. And I get the, the, the truth in that in terms of the opportunity, but to show that for some people, even when you get here, the disappointment that comes with it because it's not what you thought it was going to be was just so awesome uh the word choice that's super intentional the one who chooses family this idea of chosen family like that's super intentional by by the writers and just so well done because there is an l you know i mean if it's true and people who listen to this know i'm you know i i don't hide it you know they know i'm catholic and for that church like the the basic starting unit of the family is the marriage but that's chosen you know like we like that you choose your spouse hey will you marry me yes and you have the big ceremony whether it's in the western imagery you have the idea or or, or the the idea the i do's or if it's what we saw here and you have the i do's um you choose each other you know, I mean, that's why you verbally say in front of everybody, do you? Yeah. And so even that is is like this chosen family. And so like to use that word intentionally here is, and it's subtle. That's the other thing about this show is those two moments are very, I think, real and very subtle in, ter- in terms of how to show that representation and this experience that that has the awareness of saying, I don't need to beat you over the head with it. You just spurred a thought that is definitely incomplete. So uh, once again, I'm welcoming pushback if this is not the case. I'm a teacher. I get a lot of incomplete stuff. (laughs) Oh, man. Now, I, again, I, I, I'm a broken record here. I always come back to this. The thing that makes superhero stories special is that it takes relatable problems to the extreme. Mm-hmm. We've seen a billion origin stories at this point. And normally, 
the way those origin stories work is it's very intertwined with the character's problems and the physical representation of the powers. So, for example, Tony Stark, a very insecure person, builds the exoskeleton to help him deal with the problems. We know mm-hmm. how that story goes. The thing that I think is special about Miss Marvel is that it's very much doing that. She is exploring her family's history, and that's what the physical representation of the, the power is and, and being able to have that strength. But I think what makes it special is we're seeing the way the stories of the side characters reflects that externalization too. So for example, you just talked about like family is choice. They specifically highlighted that. It is that feeling of like, okay, we're melding these families. This is what the ramifications of that, like our lives are now changed forever. At the same time that Kamala is dealing with, if I choose this path, this is the ramifications of the family that is going to be affected by this. So it's not just me. And that is her growth moment going from the, here's the fantasy I have of what being a superhero means. And here is the reality of what it actually means. And it places that nucleus with the family as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So again, I don't know if that if that's a complete thought, but it's 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 mirroring. So for example, with Nakia and the the identity that we talked about in episode one. No, I'm sorry, in episode two, where Nakia is the one who spurs Kamala indirectly to really search for what it is that makes her feel like she can be herself. Uh, mm-hmm. And now we're seeing it again here with the family. Mm-hmm. Oh. I know one other thing that I, I can't wait. Go ahead. I just I just can't wait to see the end. Like. so good I think the only other thing that I really want to make sure to highlight here while we're talking about the sentimental stuff because there's still some fun stuff that we can get to with the wedding but one of the more important scenes I want to highlight is when she is speaking to Sheikh Abdullah Uh Uh, love the line good is not a thing you are Kamala it is a thing you do and this is one of those lovely hero theses that every hero seems to have and it reminds me actually a lot of Matt Murdock and how we frequently saw him having conversations with the priest to help externalize some of those feelings he was having about being a superhero. So it's like this mentor-ish role because we have that tension of, oh, does he or doesn't he know who Kamala is? Is he being glib about it or is he just offering a moral compass for her? But it doesn't matter because regardless of who she is, whether she's Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, or whoever she is presenting in that moment, that relationship that she has with Sheikh Abdullah is that wonderful North Star. And I love that they can be vulnerable without the baggage of the superhero, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. No, it does. It does make sense. And he does such a wonderful job of recontextualizing, too, because she's like, what do you feel about our new masked neighbor I, f- I forgot what it was, but like, I feel like she's just making trouble. And he says, well, just ask that boy. So the way that the boy that, that Kamala says, the way that he's just simply able to recontextualize that from all the other noise about damage, uh, Department of Damage Control, the way Nakia feels about it, simply the act that Kamala did in that moment to save the kid, even if it was a bit of a rough landing, she saved him. It, it, that is the key, I think, for, for her realizing she's on the right path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. man okay it, I, I'm just thinking about all that and like because there's an element of I don't know I I feel like I can push back on the 
on the good isn't something you are, you know, mm-hmm. but that comes from an intellectual side. Cause I, if, if that makes sense, but like the feeling of the scene, I was like, that's a great line. And that's so true. And so resonates. And then what I mean by the intellectual pushback is now you're getting into me being me, right? Like, well, no, you do good things cause you are good or because you do good things, we can now say you're good. You've cultivated this, your your character as good. And, and it's fair to say you are good. But that's all me just being me, you know? Um, and the line that hits the, so... The philosopher in you. Yeah, and the, and the line, though, <laughs> hits so well and really resonated with me because, well, like you said, I mean, it's at the heart of of the struggle of superheroes um clint struggled with it right i do this because i'm not a role model i do this because i'm good at it no you're a role model you know and from the kate bishop side so so like even somebody like clint you know struggles with that and and it's not and all that to say like when when you see it from kamala's standpoint is it's it's a no like you don't worry about am i good or not just Go be good, you know. Um, yeah. So we've really been jumping around in this, these wedding ceremonies. We've we've pulled out the emotional cores of what this section was really doing, but just on a pure execution level, everything about this this sequence was so good. The dancing is so joyous. I loved seeing. Because we got hints of it, right? Like Kamala was teasing Nakia earlier, but like, oh, are you upset because you'll never be as good as me at the dance? And you see that come to fruition. You see Bruno hopping in there. And then you have Amir who's pretending that he's a surprised by it as well. And then he jumps in on it as well mm-hmm. to Taisha's surprise. So it's just, it's hard to be not in a good mood when people are just having so much fun like that on screen. So I'm glad we got to see that put to film for this series. For me, with the dance, it's so much a part of their culture, um, stylistically, that style of dance and stuff. And honestly, my second watch, what came through my head is I, as I was wondering, because again, it's so much stylistically part of the dance moves and the and and everything part of their culture. In my head, I was wondering, I was like, are we ever going to see a quinceanera? Oh, like that's hey, they got can- my second because you do the dance and I've done the dance. I've been a part of dances and, you know, and it's and I'm like, that's that's what came through my second watch. They specifically call out quinceaneras. Uh, almost said también. They also call them out. <laughs> it's okay. Embrace it, Trey. It's okay. I'm not even. I'm not even fluent. I don't know why that came out. <laughs> Brown Jovi specifically calls out quinceañeras. Yes. That's all I was yes. going to say. Yes. <laughs> I'm right there with you, man. Like, I know we've had hints at it. That was one of the things that hit me the most. I feel okay saying this. This is literally within the first three seconds, and we're like two days off of the spoiler exemption. The fact that Multiverse of Madness starts with Spanish. Like, even that mm-hmm. little bit of like, oh, like, it hits you, man, yeah. in a way that I don't think... It, I knew I was looking for until you see it. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. That'd be fun to see a quinceanera at some point. Yeah. The, I mean, this is this is just 
why or this show just shows you know is a great example as to why representation is important well with the wedding out of the way with the topic we have our last important topic which is heroic consequences now this is going to take us from the clandestines crashing the wedding uh through the fight Kamala having to accidentally reveal herself in front of Nakia, as well as being unable to explain to her parents why she pulled the fire alarm. And we're going to start with me this time. And I think the thing that sticks out to me the most, outside of all the the action stuff that we'll get to, this is a Spider-Man level heroic, like, rock and a hard place. I could not help but think of Homecoming where Peter tries to put all of this behind him. He just wants to go and enjoy homecoming on his own, and he finds out who Vulture is. So he has to choose between just living that normal life or being the hero, and he chooses being hero. Mm -hmm. Kamala not being able to explain to her family why she did what she did to save their life. She may not have the mastery or the skills yet, but she is a superhero at this point in terms of that responsibility that she feels. Mm -hmm. I... I, I love the show. <laughs> <laughs> she is a superhero. And I just continually impressed with the performance. I know I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. This is truly the comic coming to life. You know, like when, when you think of like, oh, this is what Peter Parker is finally on the page in live action, or this is what Iron Man truly is. This kind of thing. This is Kamala Khan. It just, it just is. I do want to highlight a specific part of the fight. Eventually, after people have cleared from the dance hall, Kamala is chased into the kitchen. Uh, I don't know. I guess this is maybe just because I just recently watched Jurassic World Dominion. That kitchen fight sequence reminded me a lot of the original Jurassic Park where the kids are running away from the raptors in the kitchen. There was just something about the the framing and the use of like tension and the darkness that really highlighted that sense of fear that I haven't felt since that Jurassic Park sequence. So I thought that was nowhere near the same one-to-one, but just in terms of the level of tension that they were creating, it was really good. That's interesting. Okay, two things. And I think you already know this. I just recently showed my middle kid, the sixth grader, the first Jurassic Park. And I'm thinking back, and yeah, I get it, that scene in the kitchen. I didn't make that connection. I thought about Ant-Man and the Wasp in the kitchen. Oh, that's another good one. You know, but... But as you say that, this one, the, the Jurassic Park works better. Uh, it really does, just from because there is this sense of like, you feel like Kamala's outmatched, and she finds a way to survive and and get through it. And in Jurassic Park, they're clearly outmatched, <laughs> find a way <laughs> to get through it. <laughs> We were we were one reflection one reflection trick away from being on par with Jurassic Park. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Except it's the clandestines who use the distraction <laughs> of a semi-reflective pan. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I just wanted to highlight that. I thought that was really well done. And I we talked about it already, but just to emphasize a little more, Kamala is just scraping by. Mm-hmm. You know, you highlighted when it becomes reactionary that she steps in to save Bruno after he gets hit. But at that point, she really is clearly outmatched. Middle of the season, we're probably going to see a rematch. I have my bets on Muniba is going to reveal that she is more familiar with the Bengal than we think. 
Uh, but at this point, I think it is a very natural progression of everything we've seen of Kamala so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So are we going to see, is this where Nakia and Kamala are no longer friends? I'm very curious how they're going to handle this because again, going back to what we were talking about in the pre-spoiler thoughts, it is very perfectly paced. Mm-hmm. However, it is it is something we haven't talked about prior, but the decision on Kamala's part not to loop Nakia in has been an interesting one. And by the time this series really highlights it in this episode, because we had that scene where Nakia sees the to use her words, budget Captain Marvel on the viral videos, she immediately launches into like, ah, oh, I can't believe she's out there. And she either doesn't notice or does notice and doesn't care what she's doing to the mosque. And so it's very interesting to me that they were able to highlight that and quote unquote, resolve it by having that revelation so quickly mm-hmm. and it works. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know if this means by the end they're not going to be friends anymore, but it is moving at a very quick speed where, like, I don't know where they're going to go with it. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting because, like, I took the scene where I thought Kamala was going to tell her in the bedroom before, before she, she tried. Right, before she launched into that stuff. And so there, that's – and you're right. They handled it in such a good way of, like – and true to character where she took care of Bruno, you know? Um, and so it, I don't, I don't know if it's resolved in the sense of like, Oh, okay. I'm gonna take care of Bruno when you explain to me later, but it was just like this, the, the ability to say, yes, that's Bruno's important right now. And then I will be mad at you later. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I guess I should try and find a better word resolve. Cause it's not like, I don't think they're, it's not like I think they're not going to come back to it, but it's that feeling of like in other shows that are more transparent, whenever a certain character gets like attention, you're like, oh, they're going to die. Like, oh, they brought them up. So, you know, that's how where they're going to take their story by the end of it. With this, they brought it up to break the balance by the end. Mm-hmm. So I get resolve is probably a poor word, but they set it up and really instigated it in the same episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do like that you highlight that she switches to taking care of Bruno. I like that they're like, no, Bruno took a hit. He is going to sustain this damage to the episode. It isn't just immediately, I'm better, and then they move on. Yeah. Are you okay? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, why, why would you ask that? No. <laughs> and I know, because you described how Nakia wasn't going to help him at first, but I love the sequencing of the scene where Nakia is protesting Kamala leaving, but the way it is timed where she's like, help Bruno. And she goes, no, it sounds like Nakia is saying, no, I'm not going to help Bruno, but it was more just like, no, this is not the time that you get to go away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I like that, that Nakia is figuring it out. You see in her face of like, where is Kamala? Like, like she's figuring out like the thing that nobody in the comics world can figure out of like, Oh, Clark Kent's not here. But Superman (laughs) is, Oh, Peter disappeared. Well, MJ and the MCU, you know, 
figured it out um, with putting together Peter and Spider-Man. But it, I felt like that's the look we got from, from Nakia there. It's both, I know what's going on, and genuine hurt, which I think was the hardest part. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's what, when we come back to it, it's probably going to be that, like, you kept this from me. It's not that this is who you are. They actively lied to Nakia this entire time. And we've already mentioned ad nauseum how much of a realistic friendship this feels like. Of course, that's going to hurt when two of the three friends were not being honest to the other. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you had that moment in the episode before where she's like, Hey, I got you this. And it's the the shirt and the earrings. And, and they have that moment where Kamala and Naki are just open with each other, you know? Um, and it's like, and so they, so they did a really, a really good job of, well, of course it's Miss Marvel show. They've done a really good job at everything, but in that they did a really good job of like showing how close of friends they are, which made this, hit that much more Mm -hmm. so we really haven't talked too much about it but I I do want to spend a little bit of time on it where you know last week I mentioned with Kamaran how going back through those previous scenes it was less sweet given the deceptive nature of what his plans were by the end of the episode it's, I don't think it changes how not great that deception is, but I like that Kamaran is in this weird place where clearly the people that he's associating with, the clandestines, are the villains so far in this show. But he makes a very active choice to stand against that family, proving that he is not the, I don't want to say pure bad guy, but he's not the, the one-dimensional antagonist I thought they were shaping him up to be. Mm-hmm previously oh yeah and it's cool that he stood like he got in that fight and he took a hit at there at the end where they fell off from the the second story of that inside building um so i'm i'm very interested where they're gonna go because we already had the the established part in the beginning where namja tells kamala that their theory is that because she is from this world there is a potential that her powers will be stronger than theirs could be because they're limited. And Kamala pushes back and says, well, what about Kamaran? I think we're going to see something. If Muniba's not the one to step in and show that she has Noor powers as well, I think Kamaran will be the one fighting side by side with Kamala. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that you brought up the villains because they're not, like I said, they're not the pure villains, you know. Um, in, in that... They want to go home. It's okay. We all want to go home, you know. Uh, but it's the means, right? Like, like, and th- and that's the other thing that I find really fascinating is that desire to get what they want, right? Is what makes them the villain. But other, but, but otherwise, it's Kamala's question. You know, am I good? Well, being good is not something you are, and 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 the way the, the answer was, it's something you do, and what makes these this group villainous is those actions. You know, it's not inherently bad to be like I'm ready to go home. You, you know, and and so I like that, and we've seen this evolving over the course of well storytelling and media in general. 
Um, but especially also in the MCU where their antagonist protagonist, there's, there is moral ambiguity there. Um, not in every show, but there is right. There's like, there's this element of, yeah, they had the potential to be good, but they're not choosing good, making good choices, you know, or, or, and that's very different than just, Hey, I'm going to try to watch the world burn, you know, like the, like the Joker. And so in, in that sense, or, or we take, you know, we mentioned star Wars a couple of times on here. Um, Lord of the Rings is this way. Harry Potter is pretty much this way. It's pretty straightforward. These are good. These are bad, you know? Um, but that evolving and storytelling, um, but game of Thrones did really well to the end when they just, you know, napped and let somebody else go try it. Um, I, I don't know, have any other explanation. Um, Walking Dead was really good at this. I think what you're pointing out here is just that moral ambiguity of like, I know who my main character is and I'm used to seeing that in storytelling and, and visually, but I don't hate or dislike or, you know, with, with, with the quote unquote villain. You know, it's like you see they're they're more human. <laughs> I had another thought about multiverse of madness. I'm just gonna set that aside. But yeah, like that's and so that's something I, I'm really glad you brought up about the villains. You know, honestly, I think the the last thing I have to say about this episode is is once again highlighting that wonderful scene with Kamala and Muniba where they're being vulnerable with each other. But yet there is still this gap that exists between them because they have not reconciled what they need to be able to grow stronger together. And it just it hit me extra hard that this episode ends where Kamala was so close to bridging that gap. And yet she has never been further from her family because Amir and Taisha are not looking at her. Her mom is is trying to get her to open up, but she won't. And she leaves the room and Yusuf just looks at her very disappointed. So even though Kamala did the right thing and in, in saving everybody because she cannot tell them, it just pushed her further and further away. And it's, it sucks, man. Like, yeah. Not, not the, obviously not the episode, but it's just like you, I really, really connected with Kamala there in that moment of yeah. like, man, I wish she could just figure this out. Yeah. And most likely, and I might be thinking or seeing it or reading it this way because I'm a parent. Her parents know in particular, her mom, like they just do. And, and, and that's what you see in her mom and the parent is that heartbreak of like, it's not going to do me any good to force it out of you. It's not, you know, punish you if you don't tell me or you're punished until you do because, hey, that's, it didn't, hey, it didn't work. She snuck out, went to AdventureCon. Yeah, you just, it, as a parent, I'm looking at it as like, they know. And what's so heartbreaking is they just want Kamala to be honest. They just want Kamala just to say it. And I've been on the side of it where it was like, you know, I have, I've had one of my kids was like, if you already knew, why'd you make me say it? <laughs> you know, well, and it, and it's not that I'm making you say it. It's just that 
you you want that open and honest communication. You know, you want to have them have your kids feel comfortable to say, "Yeah, this is what's going on. This was this is what's wrong." Um, in that sense, or if they're in trouble and you know they did it, and you want them to tell you, it's like. It's not because you're trying to throw it in their face. It's because, well, maybe for some parents, but it shouldn't be. It's not because you're trying to throw it in their face. It's, no, you're trying to give them an opportunity to be honest, you know, and and, and have that conversation and that connection. Um, and so in that sense, like, yeah, that scene was really heartbreaking right there when it's just like, because you have that kid from the kid's perspective where you feel like, I can't tell you, and I'm sure 99.9% of us have understood that moment where you feel like you can't tell your parents something. And whether it's because you're thinking you're protecting them or you don't want to get in trouble or you're protecting somebody else, whatever the reason is, you've had that moment and you all feel for Kamala. But then again, for me, the parent side, it's like, I know, I already know, but you have to be willing to open up and say it. Because um, it's, it doesn't do any good for anybody any good for me to force it. And so, you know, seeing it from that side, you know, cause it's apparent, you know, you see the pain that they're in. We're not saying anything and, and, and there's nothing you can do about it. Okay. I know I said the last thing was my, my last thought in this section, but you just spurred something for me that I remembered. I don't know if I'm fully on the train that both of them know, I can see potentially uh, Muniba knowing. Oh, she saw the bangle. She does. She saw the bangle. She knows 100%. I was going to say, if she doesn't know, she is familiar with the bangle enough to be like, no, put that away. That's not for you. So if she hasn't seen the videos that are going viral yet, she should recognize the hard light power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think. If you're not right, you're on a fast track to being right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think in this, I'm just, I'm going to go out there. In this case, I think I'm right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our discussion of this episode. So that leaves us with our final thoughts. This is a section for us to either make a prediction, detail any stray thoughts we may have had, or highlight something to consider moving into next week's episode. So, Jude, what are your final thoughts for this episode? Wednesday can't get here soon enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I man, it's, I'm going to go back, and I think I said this on the last pod, uh, something TJ and I talked about, you know, after last week's. Before, yeah, it was the last pod. It was after this. It was just like, I haven't once thought about what's going to happen next and try to guess and speculate. Actually, the only one time was on this pod, this episode, when I said, when I mentioned something about an Eternals cameo. Um, other than that, this show is just, I don't know what they're doing, but they're just doing it right. Um, in the sense that it has that episodic, feel if, if that makes sense um and it's just another ep episode where they just hit it out of the park complete stories within a larger story that i think that is what they're nailing wonderfully right oh you know what that just spurred the thought it just spurred why why the issues i have with community 
Um, mm-hmm. All right, we'd like to thank Nick Sandy for the use. <laughs> well, well, no, like, and, and what I mean by that, and and, and I'm I realize that I am in the minority. Like, I, as much as I can be a snob and be like, hey, this is good stuff, and if you don't agree with me, that's a problem. You, uh, yeah, uh, I'm kidding. Um, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm willing to admit on Community that I'm probably in the minority on this, but just what you said—that complete story within a story. It's that that little episode, the story in that has such an awareness of that moment that it's it's serving both like this little mini story and a larger story, right? Whereas like the seasons, it's so funny, the seasons Dan Harmon are involved in a community are my favorite. Um, and that's why I know I'm in the minority. You know, because most you said the one he's not involved in, or the one he's he is not involved in, are my favorites. Um, and so that's why I, I know I'm in the minority. But when I think about the others, it's just what you said. There's a mini story, but it doesn't for me feel like a, the season has an overarching story. So whatever that little mini story in this episode that you get in that community episode doesn't carry over, unless it's a two-parter. Um. And and don't get me wrong, like it changes how I see community. So like I can, go, I know if I'm gonna go, I need to watch like a couple of episodes here and there, and they're fine and they stand alone and they're funny. But I'm not gonna go watch a season expecting to see a larger story. It's just it's just not there. The that balance that that week in and week out, Miss Marvel's been able to do of tell this larger story with that within this individual mini stories has just been great. And I don't, and I guess this is why and where this Disney plus shows the best one. Um, because they're, and well, and, I, and I'm just, and I'm, and I'm being serious when I say that is they, I mean, what do we talk about? Like, and you hear, it's like, Oh, it's a six hour movie and it just doesn't, something doesn't feel right because it's broken up this show has found a way to, to balance that and make it work, you know? And, and so, and so that's in that context, I feel like I'm super okay saying this is the best one because I figured out how to make that work. Three episodes in subject to change. It is the blueprint. I hope the Disney plus shows continue on. Oh Yeah. Well, uh, I think it's my turn for some final thoughts. I got one stray thought and one prediction, and I'll go ahead and start with the stray thought. You know, we already highlighted the prejudice that we're seeing with the Department of Damage Control. And the thing that I found fascinating after really honing in on what the story, this story in particular is highlighting, but it got me down a rabbit hole of Stark Industries is very intertwined with Department of Damage Control. If they carry on this path where they're becoming the bad guys, that makes this potentially trouble, I think, for Armored Wars. And I'm wondering if that's something that's going to continue from here to there of Department of Damage Control being, like we said last time, antagonistic in that series. Mm -hmm. Oh, I 100% hope you're right. 
Cause that mm-hmm. sounds like a very fun thing to do. And it gives you an organization that can replace like shield or Hydra that it's like this organization that is always looming and it feels like it's never ending. Cause even though you have like the one person, you know, you know, the whole Hydra cut one head off and, you know, um, and it'd be under the guise of a trusted name and Stark, you know? And so, yeah. So like, I, mm-hmm. I think that would be fantastic. And I really hope that that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I'll put Rhodey in an interesting position because he has previously worked with the United States government mm-hmm. and to now resetting that power structure of Stark Industries technology with the United States government trying to control it and Rhodey previously being from that world, it is narratively a rich playground to play mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And finally, a uh, prediction that I want to make. I think Aunt Ruby knows more than she's letting on. So Aunt Ruby is the aunt, if I'm not mistaken, who is like, I heard she killed a guy <laughs> in episode two. And she, and this episode is the one who is speaking to Bruno at the wedding when they're talking about that uh, ritual where they bump each other's mm-hmm. heads. At It's a very quick scene, but after the fire alarm is pulled, one of the aunts, I believe, or one of the attendees was saying, I saw Kamala pull the And thing. then she defended Kamala. Ruby cut. Ruby comes to her defense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Previously, Ruby has been very quick to jump on that gossip train. So the fact that she defended Kamala makes me think there may be more than she's letting on. Oh, I agree. So, 100% I agree on that one. So Just wanted to throw that out there, see if that goes anywhere for the remainder of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've made too, bitch, too, too big a deal about the uh, um, Illumina aunties, aunties and this uh, Ruby in particular, because she was the one also talking about um, when Kamala was trying on. Um, oh the, yeah. To getting ready for the wedding, trying on the outfit. So yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm with you. And I think you're, you're completely right. Well, cool. Well, that's going to be our final thoughts. That's where we're going to leave you before Jumping into episode four. Maybe that's what makes this show so, so good. It's doing the things that we would have done. And so there's right? so there's not like so, <laughs> vindication. So there's not like a lot of like backseat writing on this one. <laughs> well, we did get the whole intag. They're not going to highlight the Department of Damage Control for a few episodes. Completely wrong. But so see, that can be an editor fail. <laughs> So whenever our writing hat's not applicable, you're damn sure we're going to get our editor's <laughs> hat on for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, so if you want to get in contact with us, you can follow us on social media at MC Need to Know, both on Twitter and Instagram. But right now, the great place to get in contact with us and share your excitement about Miss Marvel uh, or any other pop culture happenings at the moment is our Discord. So come join the community. Find people who are just as excited about it as we are. Uh, link is in the show notes. 
So, of course, always you can leave a rating and review and share with a friend. Most important, get them hooked. Get them hooked on the MCU. Get them hooked on us. And everyone's life will be so much better. Hooked on a feeling. I was about to sing, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I was really I was <laughs> that close, man. I was close. Ooga jaka. There you Ooga go. Jaka. <laughs> We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work in SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And Jude, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next week. All right, you ready to get synced up? Dude, we just we just got sunk. We don't need we don't need to count. Are you editing this week? Oh yeah. One <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that that flipped the script the moment that responsibility was on you. <laughs> oh man. All right. All right. Let's get synced. Yep. <laughs>